I'm sure you've heard of people saying, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I feel like I wear my emotions in my voice. If you can tell, the last month, actually, not if, you can tell this last month has been stupid stressful on me because of how I've shown up here on the pod. I have not been excited. I have not had inflection in my voice. And it's kind of just been a bummer. So my most sincere apologies. I know I said last week I was going to try and make it all woo, but I feel like this week I'm actually coming at you with more vigor, more enthusiasm, more innate chill. So buckle up, kids. All right. Before we hop in, you know what time it is. Pop in a... Oh, baby. Shit. Well, in case you couldn't tell, my beer exploded. That was fun. Well, happy Thursday, guys. (laughs) See, I told you I was going to come at you with renewed vigor. All right, so before we get into my, the reasoning for my lighter mood today, I'm going to hit you guys with this week's card pull done from the heart and uh, solidified with the necklace. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, definitely go back like five or six episodes and you'll understand a little bit better. Maybe even more now. How long have I been doing this? Any idea how long I've been doing card pulls before? Literally no idea. Okay, cool. Good talk, guys. (laughs) All right. So today I pulled Inner Temple. I only pulled one card because I was just feeling that one card vibe. And Inner Temple is, or rather it says, devotion. Tune into the portal of your heart. Hey, yo. Okay, so... The, the reason this resonates, so sorry, didn't mean to, didn't mean to have my, uh, what's it called? My messages binging on you guys, but my apologies. So the reason this resonates so much is because I am an ego manifester, right? So hey, yo, human design, if you're here for it, amazing. And um, ego means heart-centered. So I feel like this week I'm actually tuning back into feeling into my decision-making skills with my heart, right? Like making heart-led decision-making skills, not doing things out of shoulds and coulds and woulds and because other people are doing it or because I owe it to someone else to do it, right? Like it's coming from internally. It's coming from my heart. So beautiful, beautiful card poll. I'm going to give you like a quick summary of it. Um, But basically, all of the answers to my questions that I seek are awaiting in the portal of my heart. And you know what? Like, For me, yes, there is validity to that. And I love when I get cards that are heart-centered. It's just such a good reminder that like either I'm super fucking aligned or I'm not aligned or I like need to get back aligned. And um, yeah, so the this is like an action card from the Work Your Light deck. And it says commit to a daily devotional practice. I don't know what that's going to be. Honestly, it might just be coffee and sitting outside and like having some me time in the morning because if you listen to the first season, first episode of this season, you know that I'm living in my parents' house again for the interim. You know, the whole between continents, between countries thing. Um, but this, I'm coming at you from my childhood room, right? So like, I don't get very much alone time living with my parents. And I think having some devotional time or just sacred quiet space in the morning is kind of what I need. And doing that over a cup of coffee is my preferred means of doing that. So I'll let you guys know how that goes next week. And if I continue it, because <laughs> that's the hard part, right? Like it's not just saying you're going to do it. It's putting it into action because 
I'm sure you experience that as a dietitian with your clients and as a human with yourself, right? Because we're not all perfect. This is all the journey and we are learning. And actually, even in this card, they were like, the earth is just a playground for your soul. And like, you know what? Hey, it is. Let's have fun, right? Like, let's have fun with it. Let's nurture the soul and uh, make some make some fun, happy, happy accidents, as Bob Ross always says, said, RIP Bob Ross. Um, but yeah, so again, if you couldn't tell five minutes into this episode, I am in a such a better mood than I have been this past month. And I think most of that is in part to, I don't have another round table until next month. <laughs> What's crazy is that when I'm physically at the round tables, I'm just filled with so much joy, so much love, so much, oh my God, I should really be here right now, like in the present moment. However, all of the marketing, all of the sales, all of the follow-up, all of the doing to get to the event drains the fuck out of me. And it sucks. You know, like there's always this dichotomy in business, especially when you're a solopreneur. You have to do the things that you don't like to get the things that you like. And there's been a lot more doing the things that I don't like, not necessarily because I don't like reaching out to people. I love having conversations with other humans especially other dietitians, especially other dietitians who like to collaborate or at least who are open-minded to collaboration and even more so those who are down to do all of that plus love human design. More of you have come out of the woodwork lately, words guys, and it's been amazing. Um, But yeah, all that to say is I love connecting with people, but it's all of the rejection that comes with it that is so demoralizing. For example, right? Like I would reach out to probably 50 to 60 people a day I would say probably ignored by 40 of those people and have like at least some type of one interaction with 10 people and then I never hear back from nine of them. It's demoralizing because my goal is to connect people and I feel like it's very one-sided when you're doing direct outreach and marketing and basically just speaking out into the depths that is the interwebs, right? Even with this podcast, I don't know who's listening. I mean, I know the numbers on a week-to-week basis, but like really, who's out there listening? If you are and you want to chat, hit me up. I'd love to know if you are a listener here, whether it's via email or you know where I'm at, right? Like on the Insta all the times, on the gram, um, definitely not on the threads because that's a thing now and bruh, I just don't have patience for another thing, you know? Let me know if you're on the threads. I'd love to know. Is that a thing? It's definitely a thing, but like, are people doing it is what I'm asking. Okay. Anyway, again, in such a better mood because there's less stress in my life. It's crazy though, isn't it? Like we don't, sometimes we forget that there are certain aspects of our business that maybe just cause a little bit more stress than others. There are some things where I'm in flow 100%. It's like when I'm creating a new offer or when I'm designing a website or I'm designing like posts or marketing materials, love the creative piece of it, hate the marketing piece of it, also hate the finance piece of it. Ooh. But those are all necessary parts of the business, right? And like ideally you continue to grow your business and those are the things that maybe don't light you up that you can outsource, right? Like it's not a oh my God, I have to do this forever. But there are some things that just kind of need the you touch, you know? Not everything, but there are some things that do. So One day, one day, my marketing and outreach will be outsourced and it will be absolutely amazing. It's going to be great. Anyway, 
on a lighter note, because I don't have this stress in my life, I can focus on other things in the business and still reach out to people because the next ones are a month away and I have more than enough time to follow up because June me, who was burnt out and sad, was super proactive and reached out to people for August and September events too. Yay, sad June Chell for doing all the work for July Chell. Really appreciated. But that also makes it so much easier, right? Like following up is so much easier than direct outreach. The one thing I wish though is that people would be honest. If you don't want to come to something, don't lead me on. Don't lead anybody on. Just say no. And if it's a fuck no, say fuck no. If it's a meh, I'd love to, but I can't. Uh, don't lead me on. That's still leading me on. You know, like just be like, no, I'd rather spend the weekend with my kids. Fine. I understand that, dude. Family's totally super important. Probably more important than connecting with other dietitians because your kids are only young once, right? I get it. Just be honest. And that's for everyone in the field, right? Like whatever someone is asking you to do, if you don't want to do it, freaking be honest. That's another life lesson I learned last month. Not me being honest, other people being honest and being a role model for being honest. So yeah, be honest. That's what I'm trying to say. Let me get a quick sippy sip of my beer that exploded earlier. I'm also not editing that out. So hopefully you guys enjoy that fiasco. Mm. Speaking of... Trader Joe's makes a delicious Hefeweizen. Highly recommend. It's called Joseph's Brau, Bavarian style. Sehr gut. Just so you know, that means very good. It actually is really good though. Probably needs a little bit more orange, but it's pretty good. Okay. So we're actually talking about something concrete today, which I'm very excited about because I feel like June Chell did not have her shit together. I was really, it was really just a kvetch sesh, right? Like, I'm happy that you were here for it. I really appreciate it. But let's be real. The last couple of episodes were kvetch seshes because I wasn't feeling great. But I think that this is also going to be really good for me to like go back and listen and be like, ooh, you were not okay and you were not in alignment. But this is me in alignment when I've had enough sleep. I've gotten to hang out with my dog. I am not working 10 hour days. Blech. Although... TBD this week. I have a new class starting for my master's. So we'll see. We'll see how my mood goes this week once I dive into homework and a metric shit ton of reading. Although this class seems less intense than the finance class last semester. So send all the good vibes, please. Anyway, we are getting into an actual episode with actual tangible things and takeaways. And it's more than, like I said, it's more than just a kvetch sesh with Chell because I'm happy you stuck through that. Oh God, it was not great. Uh, yeah. So this question came up because the other day, actually, this is a fun story. So what happened was I was coming back from Toronto and I had a layover. Okay, let me start even more. Let me start even back further, right? I was staying at a hostel in Toronto because I'm trying to do this roundtable rendezvous on a budget. Your girl's on a tight budget. So much so I had bread and hummus for three days in Toronto. Just throwing that out there. Tight budget. So the cheapest way to get back to Vegas from Toronto was to take a three and a half hour bus over the border from Toronto to Buffalo, saw beautiful Niagara Falls. So no regrets at all. It was an amazing experience, except for the screaming small children in the back of the bus. I don't know what it is about screaming small children, but man, mm, just gets me in a weird way and I don't like it. I feel my ovaries tighten up. <laughs> I think that's what happens. <laughs> They're like, no. <laughs> oh my God. I am on one today, guys. Okay. So back to the story. I took then a plane from 
Buffalo to Denver and I had like an eight hour layover in Denver. And the amazing part about the Centurion Lounge for you Amex owner, people, users, Amex card holders, that's the right word. Whenever you have uh, like a layover, you can stay in the Amex Lounge the whole time, like until they close. And I got kicked, not kicked out when they closed, but you know, had to leave kindly when they closed. Anyway, I had a very long conversation with some random dudes next to me. It was great. There was many glasses of Prosecco in. I have no idea where I was going with this story. Quite literally no idea. Well, many glasses of Prosecco in, made it home and finally slept. Again, I have no, you know what? Maybe in a couple of minutes, I'll figure out where I was going with that story. Oh, there it is <laughs> into today's conversation. See, I knew, I knew it would come back. Uh, but when I was sitting in the lounge before I had many glasses of Prosecco, I put it up on the Instagram stories uh, for people to ask me questions. And the only person who responded asked about sponsorships and what that could look like for both virtual events and in-person events. And I only gave a two minute answer on like on the Instagram story response. And I didn't think that was sufficient. So we're making it a whole last podcast episode because I think that this is really important. And it's kind of this like mystical thing that no one really talks about. And there's like articles online about it, but it's not really that helpful. So I'm going to give you guys the nitty gritty of this. And um, I'm also reading. So I'm going to do my best to paraphrase because I feel like whenever I read something, it's not fantastic. Not that my inflection's not great, but like my reading and my words, not fantastic. So I'm going to do my best today. Bear with me. I think we got like a, um, I don't know, maybe 10 minute, 10 minute little quick intro sesh to sponsorships. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Okay. So as dietitians, we already wear oh so many hats, right? As clinicians, as entrepreneurs, as the lead marketer of our firm, as head of sales, as HR, as probably a graphic designer. And now so many of our peers have also taken on event planning. We're an ambi ambitious bunch, to say the least. See, I told you words, guys. Ambitious. I can do it. So if event planning if event planning as a dietitian is in your future or you're already in that world, you've probably seen or experienced firsthand the need for sponsorship for an event. Let's be real. Profit margins for in-person events are really tight. And if you want to pay your speakers for virtual symposiums, it can be really challenging to rely on ticket sales alone to kind of offset that cost. So sponsorship. Actually, first, let me share a little story with you. I've hosted two pretty large events without sponsorship. In my first crack at event hosting, I went big. An all-inclusive five-day, four-night dietitian retreat in Lake Como, Italy. I did not have sponsors for this event. And the profit mar margin was negligible. But this was the most aligned decision I've ever made in my business. And I was immediately hooked on event planning and creating community spaces. So I guess another little fun fact about this that I don't have written down, hence the ability to say words. <laughs> um, the first time I used the this this deck that I pull every time I do a podcast was actually at that event. And I pulled like the best pull, the most aligned five card pull I've ever had. Basically, it was just like, yes, you're in alignment, follow your heart, you're doing it. Um, and like something else, but it was just like such reassurance that I was doing the thing I was meant to do. Um, which is why the money in that event in particular did not matter for me. So immediately after that, I was like, oh my God, I need to do something else in person, but I need to do it like 
in the States because obviously people didn't want to come to Lake Cuomo. Wrong. People didn't want to come across the pond to Lake Cuomo. They wanted to like go easily and like be in their city, right? So the next person I, the next in-person event I hosted was the NYC Summit in Social. Consisted of three panels, rather three panelists in a discussion, a five-course Michelin-recommended meal, networking, a CEU and a half, I believe, and continued connection post-event. Again, I did not seek out sponsors for this for this event, but I quickly realized that there was a ton, rather, for this event, I realized that there was a ton of inherent value in the event itself and that the ticket price was actually and learned. There we go. And learned that the ticket price was actually a barrier to entry for many. So I think this was in like the 299 region. And yeah, I get it. That is steep. But for the meal, for the panelists, for the networking piece of it, for the CEU, for the continued connection post event that not very many people took advantage of, which I think is a problem within itself. Um, it was a barrier to entry for many people. And I get that totally. But this barrier would have been easily resolved if I had a sponsor or multiple sponsors for the event. And in this instance, right, like sponsor investments would have helped to offset the cost for the tickets for the those attending, right? I probably could have had a lower ticket price if that was the case, as well as pay for the speakers and their meals. Because at this event, I wasn't able to pay the speakers a ton. I paid them 200 bucks each because that's all I could swing, plus the complimentary $299 meal plus the one and a half CEUs, and then obviously the networking and the connection that comes with that. So you learn, right? Like you live and you learn and third time's a charm, right? I mean, that's what they say. But with my most recent in-person events, obviously the Roundtable Rendezvous Tour, I did choose to pursue sponsors. I learned that our peers value a lower cost in-person event with fewer bells and whistles rather than paying more for more. So with this event or with these events, I guess you could say in particular, I knew that I'd be doing a lot of traveling so that I could host events in 10 plus cities over the course of five months. And I wanted to help keep the cost of the event as low as possible. So obviously I needed sponsors. I'll be getting down into the nitty gritty of the when, the what, the how, the who, and all of the things of sponsorship. So just keep listening. We're getting there. Quick note though, there may not be one right answer to any of the questions I'm going to answer below, but these are the insights based on my experiences of hosting three different styles of events over the last year. Like this experience, oh my God, I'm just realizing this. All of this experience has come in the last nine months. That's insane. Whew. Okay. So when do you need sponsors? In-person versus virtual. If you want to actually make it a profit rather, if you want to actually make a profit on an event, I highly recommend getting sponsorship. Monetary or product investments from sponsors can help offset the costs like food, speakers, the price of the admission, hosting platforms and software for virtual events, as well as any other event costs you may incur. I've found that sponsorship, rather, I found sponsorship to be most needed when hosting in-person events rather than virtual spaces. And this is typically because the overhead of hosting an in-person event is more than virtual. However, if you're planning a virtual event, you can totally have sponsors for it. Sponsorship may just be monetary for virtual for virtual events rather than like providing a lunch or snacks or some other type of physical tangible object. Sponsorship for a virtual event like a virtual conference or a symposium can help to offset the costs of the event. So depending on your goals of the event and the size, you may consider sponsorship to compensate 
for the event speakers or to offset that ticket price for students or to be able to offer like a sliding scale pricing or equity pricing, whatever you want to call it. Fun fact, the term equity of pricing offends some people. So just throwing that out there. Choose your words wisely, people. Um, Or it can offset the cost of the event. I would not recommend sponsorship for an event if your only goal is to make more money from the event. Sponsorship should have an intended purpose behind it. And this goes the same for in-person events. So what I'm trying to say here is like sponsorship should not be a revenue source for you, right, of the event. It's intended to help pay for X, Y, and Z in the event and make it possible. So in my case, I knew that I needed sponsors for the Roundtable Rendezvous Tour because I planned to travel to these 10 plus cities across the country to host in-person events for my fellow RDs. I knew I didn't have the immediate capital to make this caliber of a tour happen. So obviously I needed sponsors to make the tour and travel possible. Leading into the next question, how do you get sponsors? Well, generally there are two types of sponsors, brand sponsors and business slash individual sponsors. I don't have in- I don't have experience with major brand sponsors, but I have sought sponsorship from fellow entrepreneur dietitians. And I'm all about building relationships, in case that wasn't very clear here. Uh, Also all about building trust and working with people that you know, like, and trust and have similar values. So when I sought out sponsors for the Roundtable Rendezvous Tour, I knew that these sponsors had to align with my personal slash company values, the mission that I'm on, and the vision that I have oh God, my voice did weird things. And the vision that I have for our field as a whole, right? Like connection, collaboration, community, and making it far less competitive than it is. So for me, that meant reaching out to dietitians versus reaching out to bigger brands, right? Like my brand is all about uplifting our field, uplifting dietitians, and who better to sponsor an event for dietitians by a dietitian than a dietitian who works with dietitians? Am I right? Also, who knew how many times I could say dietitian in one sentence? That was pretty awesome. Not going to lie. So in keeping with my business's values, I handpicked who I wanted to sponsor my event. I made a dream list of sponsors, right? So like dietitians I had formed a really solid working relationship with, mostly virtually because that's the world I work in. And I emailed them or I DM them or I connected with them however they connect with me, right? Some said no totally understood, but most said yes. They believed in my vision of creating a more collaborative field and the mission of bringing dietitians together in person to discuss collaboration. I don't want to make this sound like it was an easy sell, but it kind of was. I'd already done the hard part, quote unquote, of genuinely connecting and forming relationships with so many amazing dietitians who work with dietitians whose value align with mine. Supporting this wild idea of mine to travel across the country and host in-person events for fellow dietitians was an easy yes for them. Because I have, because I only have experience working with other entrepreneurs to sponsor me, that's all I can confidently speak to in this area. I do have one note though. Make sure the brands that you choose to work with align with the mission, vision, and values for your event. For example, if you're a culinary dietitian, and attract fellow foodies to these events, make sure your food sponsor is top-notch. Your attendees are going to expect more than a sad little salad, if you know I'm saying. So if you're interested in brand sponsorship for events, message me on LinkedIn or on Instagram or shoot me an email. And while I'm not the expert, 
oh, don't like that word. While I am not knowledgeable, <laughs> super knowledgeable in this area, I will be able to connect you with one of our peers who has successfully secured brand sponsorship for events. So let me know. And I'm here for it. You know that. Okay. How to answer, rather, how to ask sponsors to sponsor your event. So this breaks down back to, this breaks back down to relationship building, right? You have to establish and build a relationship with the person or brand that you want to sponsor this event. The relationship will not be fostered overnight. This is going to take some time, which is why it's so impart, important to ABC, always be connecting. These relationships with people or companies that have similar, rather, build these relationships with people or companies that have similar values to yours. And once you've established who your people are, compose a sponsor proposal. So uh, how am I going to do this? If you guys want to see this, just shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will send you my my sponsor proposal. Actually, or you can go to LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure I'm just Celestina Brunetti, RDNLD on LinkedIn. Um, and I this is also a blog on LinkedIn. Fun fact, I have a bi-monthly blog on LinkedIn and it's usually like the verbiage that I'm talking about here when I'm in a good mood. Don't listen to June Chell. She didn't post the same thing she was kvetching about here. Um, but if you want that, if you want this like in written form, just so that you can have it all laid out, check out the LinkedIn blog. Um, it's the last blog that I wrote if you're listening to this live. And if not, then it's called Getting Sponsorship for dietitian events on my LinkedIn blog. So check that out there just so that you can see it. Um, I lost my space now. Boop, boop, boop. Cool. So reach out to your prospective sponsors via email, DM, a phone call, whatever your preferred method of contact is, but also be sure to provide them with like prospective KPIs. That means key performance indicators, prospective attendee numbers, the exposure that they'll have, any possible ROI, meaning return on investment. Even if you don't love metrics, even if you're like me and you don't love metrics, investors or sponsors need to see those metrics, right? And by no means am I an expert in, again, expert, <laughs> reaching out to sponsors. However, I'm happy to noodle this with you if you're planning to host events in the future. Just shoot me, shoot me a message on Instagram and we can chat about it. I'm always down to be a sounding board. Okay. I don't know how many questions in we are for how many sponsors do you need? So you can reach this number by kind of working backwards from how much capital you need for your event. So once you have that number, then determine if you'll have tiers of sponsorship, meaning that people will pay more for more exposure, less for less exposure. It'll make more sense when you see the the document that I put together on that LinkedIn blog. So for my roundtable rendezvous tour, I actually did it the opposite way. I knew I wanted 10 sponsors max and I decided this because I didn't want the a brief word from our sponsor time to take up the entire four hour event. So I did all the research to determine how to create a sponsorship package and landed on creating three tiers. So two sponsors at the top tier who pay the most money, three sponsors at the mid tier who pay like a middle amount of money, and then five sponsors at the lowest tier who pay the least amount of money. Truthfully, I arbitrarily chose the sponsor investment amounts without considering how much travel would actually cost for this five-month crazy long tour. And secondly, when I pitched the packages to the pr prospective sponsors, they said yes, those dudes did say yes rather, all said yes immediately, which could mean one of two things. One, they really love what I'm about or the sponsorship prices were a bit too competitive. 
maybe it was a little bit of both. So in hindsight, I would have roughly calculated out the cost of travel and worked backward from that uh, and then created the three tiers based on that number. So all of this to say, the amount of sponsors you have depends on several factors. One, how much additional capital you need for the event. Two, how you want the investments to be distributed, right? So many small investors can provide, many small investors can provide uh, your potential investors with a lower barrier to entry, making it easier to secure sponsors. But note that this can also be more challenging because you need more sponsors, right? So like a one or two large investors might be easier, but also still might be harder, right? Like there's challenges for either. So there's no one right answer and you're going to have to decide what works best for your individual situation and your individual event. And then third, how much time do you want to dedicate to sponsor commercials? So if you plan to provide sponsors with the opportunity to speak to attendees, like I am at the roundtables, rendezvous, know how much time they have, like know how much time they'll have on the stage, right? Is an important factor to consider. You don't want sponsorship commercials to take up a ton of time. And you also don't want them to take precedence over the event itself. So to give you some idea of how the roundtable rendezvous break down time-wise, it's about an hour and 30-ish for like the first networking piece of it, then about 10-ish minutes for the first two rounds, or rather the first round of sponsorship slash introing how we do the roundtable, about an hour and 20-ish, give or take, for the roundtable discussion, sometimes an hour 30 just depends, and then about 10-ish minutes for a little bit more sponsor discussion, and then the last hour-ish for more networking. So, and obviously food and beverages are mixed in with that as well, right? So like, it's a very small, I would say 20 minute span of that four hour period. That is a word from our sponsors. And that's how I wanted it to be set up, which is why I said a max of 10 sponsors for the event. So hopefully that makes sense to you guys. Next question, which I think is question five. What do sponsors want in return? Basically, how much should you sweeten the deal? During my research for sponsor tier levels, I came across a variety of different options to offer sponsors. And again, check out that image on the LinkedIn blog to see like what each sponsor level got. If I could go back, I would admit the press release. I don't think that it benefited the sponsors directly or from a marketing standpoint. It was kind of just a component that I saw other event sponsor like that I saw on other event sponsor sheets and I was like obviously I have to do this. Obviously you don't have to do this Celestina. So that's what I learned in hindsight and I actually ended up adding a free ticket to the event for the sponsorship deal as well, which I think was probably the best addition that I could have made for this. So if you're considering quote unquote sweetening the deal for your sponsors, and if you can swing it within your event budget, or 100% if it's like a virtual event, I would recommend adding in the free attendance and like comped meal if possible. So overall, I don't think sponsors expect the world from you, right? Like their goal is to be more visible to their aligned clients via a different marketing avenue. And as long as your sponsors align with the event's vision, mission, and values, it's a great fit. Don't feel like you have to add in a ton of extras for them. And then last but not least, question six, anything else to know before seeking out sponsors for an event where CEUs are also being provided? Again, I think just making sure that your sponsor's values are aligned with yours and the mission of the event. There's nothing worse than a disjointed experience for the attendees because that's what they'll fixate on rather than all of the good that came out of the space. And uh, yeah, 
So if you want to experience a dietitian collaborative event, you can join one of the remaining roundtable rendezvous tour dates. Tickets are available now. I think there's three more tickets left for Charlotte on August 11th. We got a pretty wide open, I think there's like eight, maybe seven. No, there's definitely seven more tickets available for Miami at this point in time. Chicago, got eight more tickets. So where my Chicago RDs at, please come to that event. Would love to meet you in person. I think we have seven more left for, what is it called? Oh man, brain fart. For San Jose? Yeah, I was gonna say San Juan. I was like, that's definitely not right. Seven more left for San Jose. And we have seven more left for LA. Guys, I can't believe it, right? Like it's gonna be sick. It's going to be sweet. I'm stoked for all of these events and I hope you can make it to one. And I really hope you enjoyed listening to Upbeat Alive July Chell because I really enjoyed having her in my ears. I'm always in my ears. Sometimes I'm in my head, but right now I'm in my ears and I missed her. So hopefully you guys enjoyed, 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 I can speak, enjoyed today's episode. Um, Yeah, I missed you all. So, I mean, I've been here, but I feel like I haven't really been here, you know? Let me have another sip of beer while I'm at it. Have an amazing day. Have an amazing week. If you can come to one of these upcoming events, I would love to meet you in person because I feel like it's just so absolutely magical. And uh, yeah, guys, ciao.